Thanks for checking out the Crossing College and Career podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages you and challenges you to walk confidently in your identity in Christ. So fake news. I really, I don't know about you, but I don't know what to believe. And if you saw any of the video promos with truth or fake news, like I don't really know. There's so much of both that it's hard to distinguish. And so with what's going on, how do we know what to believe anymore? It's like, I think about COVID, there's like wear a mask. I was a psycho when COVID came out. I was like, don't touch me, don't get near me, no nothing. I would get like Uber Eats sometimes. I spent like $96 a day on Lysol wipes, like wiping everything down, it was bad. But like, you wear the mask, you get it. You don't wear the mask, you don't get it. Like who knows, like Republican, Democrat, who won the election, who didn't? You know, some more serious issues. What happened to Carol Baskin's husband? Did he get eaten or is, Nobody knows. A little before that time, Tupac, is he dead or alive? Who really knows? I don't know. Do you? Fake news, though, right? It's funny. When I was thinking about that last one, it's a little morbid because I'm talking about death. But um, (laughs) probably two years ago, almost when Unite first started, uh, there was a girl. I think she came to Unite, and she was actually interested in joining a life group. And so we sent her some information. One of my interns at the time sent her, was like, hey, so pumped you came out. We have this group, this group, this group. This is how you can get connected, all these things. And then a couple hours later, a response comes and it says, hey, this is um, so-and-so's sister. And unfortunately, she passed away due to some health issues. And so I get a screenshot of this text from my intern. And I was like, either someone, something really bad happened or someone's really trying to get out of joining a life group, like, <laughs> which is a bad excuse. But I was like, I guess just tell them we're praying for him. Like, I don't really know what to do. Like, I have no idea what we do in this situation. I was like, tell them we're praying for him, I guess. A couple minutes later, the girl texts back and says, sorry, that was my brother, fake news. And I was like, that's a pretty nonchalant way to say like, you're alive. <laughs> like, you should be a little more empathetic, but fake news, like, what do you believe? What do you not believe in it? begs for us to ask the question at the end of the day of what is truth? So that's what I was asking myself when I thought about fake news. Well, if there is fake news, that means there's got to be a truth somewhere, right? And I think it's really interesting how today we live in a time where we have access to more information than ever before, right? But it, it seems as if evil is sort of winning. Right? But when I think about it, I'm like, man, the more access to information we have, the more access to knowledge that we have, shouldn't things be getting better? Right? Don't you think we would be getting smarter? But the problem is we are literally drowning in information, but we are starved for real wisdom. We are drowning in all of these things coming constantly left, right, fake news, real news, doesn't really matter, but we are starved for true wisdom. You see, man's problem is not intellectual, it's spiritual. It is not intellectual, it is spiritual, and we are gonna dive into that tonight. And so what we are living in is this time where truth has been made relative. Would everyone agree with that? Truth has been made relative and it's almost unobtainable. Like there is no such thing as real truth. And so what that is, is postmodernism. And so postmodernism is challenging all views of absolute truth. And we'll get into that, but the point is, truth is kind of in like the eye of the beholder, right? And we've almost devalued it to what's um, politically correct, I guess, right? 
So we've devalued truth to that. Whatever feels right at the time is what truth is. But the problem is, when's the last time your feelings stayed the same for more than three seconds? See? For real though, like if we're basing truth off our feelings, that's so fickle, it's always gonna change. So that means our view of truth is gonna change. And it happens everywhere. It happens in places I didn't even think it should, like science, for instance. So when I was growing up, I don't know if many of you experienced this, but has anybody heard of Pluto? Right? So when I was in school, Pluto was a planet. My whole life, Pluto, 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 planet, planet, planet. 2006, science was just like, hey, remember Pluto? We were just kidding that whole entire time. Not a planet. And that affected me as a kid. Because <laughs> I got a bad grade when I was a kid for saying Pluto was not a planet. And it turns out I probably should have been teaching the class. Because I knew what was going to happen in the future. I said, you guys will see. Pluto is just too far away, not going to be a planet. But why did that change? That's an absolute truth in my opinion. You can't just shove it down my throat my whole life and then say, just kidding. So what is with these truths that, and how do we find what's absolute? How do we find what's not in the, um, who is it? The Barna Group. So you guys heard of the Barna Group? They do a lot of research, a lot of polls. They poll Americans on varieties of issues. In 1994, so this is almost 25 years ago, they revealed that 72% of American adults, so that's almost three out of four people, right? They agreed with this statement. There is no such thing as absolute truth. Two people could define truth in totally conflicting ways, but both still be correct. This was 25 years ago, and I think we can all maybe guess that that percentage is probably a little higher now, right? And although fake news, the term itself is kind of new, it's, it's nothing really new in and of itself. You see, it started in the very beginning, right? Eve, in the garden, tempted by the serpent. And what Satan did was took an absolute truth, twisted it a tiny bit, and distorted Eve's reality. And so she didn't know what to do. And that's why she made that decision, because it was distorted truth. The resurrection of Jesus himself. Within hours of the resurrection, there were people going to tell the Roman guards, say, hey, we need you to tell you that Jesus, we need you to tell people that Jesus's people came here, took him out, so they don't think there's a resurrection. So a conspiracy theory started to develop within hours of his resurrection, right? So this is nothing new, but the good news is that the gospel will never lose its power to fake news, ever. If the gospel ever does lose any power in you or a culture or a church or anything like that, it's not because some new idea came across that was better, because there is nothing better. What happens is the gospel is in danger of losing, losing its impact and losing its power when we drift away from the central idea of what it's saying. We have to drift. It's nothing else that's going to come along that says, you know what, that is better. It's, it's impossible. It can't. We are the ones that drift. And tonight, what I want to look at is uh, the central story of why Jesus was born. So in John 18, that's what we're going to read from. We're going to read five verses, 33 through 38. In John 18, several hours before Jesus' death, he makes a statement about his birth, which I want to concentrate on. Because we all have, I guarantee you, if I say, why did Jesus, why was he born? There would probably be five 10, 15 different answers, which could all be correct. But this situation right here is Jesus is on trial. It's towards the end of his life. Pilate 
is trying to get Jesus to say something that will make him worthy of crucifixion, right? So verse 33, John 18, it says, are you the king of the Jews? So Jesus says to him, is that your own idea or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied, your own people and chief priests have handed you over to me. What is it you have done? John 18, 36, Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would have, fighted, would have fought to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. So you are a king then, says Pilate. And this is what we're going to concentrate on. Jesus answer, answers him, he says this. He says, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Well, what is truth, says Pilate. So when I read this, I see two things going on, two suggestions that we can take from this, and one thing that we should not do. So the first suggestion is there is truth. There is absolute truth available to us that everyone should believe in. And the second thing is Jesus himself came to testify to that truth. So he's the key witness. You see, Pilate thought he was putting Jesus on trial, but Jesus knew the whole time that what was really on trial was truth because he was the truth. And he was going to be the key witness to that truth on trial. Does that make sense? And the third thing, what to not do. Don't be like Pilate when you hear the truth. So the first one, there is truth, truth that everyone should believe. I'll read it again. Verse 37. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. So there is truth. There is something outside of this world that gives meaning to this world. There is truth. The world doesn't make up this truth. It doesn't shape it or change it. It's not, we've heard it all before. This is my truth. This is your truth. He's got a truth. She's got a truth. I'll take my truth and put it with her truth because it makes sense. There is none of that. There is absolute unchanging truth. Does that make sense? Are we on the same page? There may have been a time, and I wanted to stress that because I think there was probably a generation or two or three, whatever, when that did not need to really be expressed. Like, hey, there's an absolute truth that's outside of my own mind. I don't have to come up with it. It's not something that I, um, it's not something I'm trying to control, but I'm more so submitting to it. Like there's something outside of me, outside of the world that is distinguishing truth, but that's not today. Because like I said before, and that's what we're going to get into, is there has been a rejection of absolute truth. And absolute truth in and of itself is very controversial. It's always met with unbelief and opposition. And if you try and say there's an absolute truth today, like you are a bigot. <laughs> you're immoral. You don't care about people. You're prejudiced. You can attach anything to it. People say you're misguided because there's no God. Who, who is this God that's telling you the truth? And if someone does say, and I've heard this before, like there may be a being, there may be a God, but how you connect to him, how I connect to him are completely different. I connect to him in this way, so that's my truth. And you're misguided because you're trying to push your truth on me, right? You could also be considered, like I said, immoral because you're prejudiced towards that person. You're trying to tell me what to do? Who are you to tell me what to do? Where is that truth coming from? And so morality today, it's been defined in terms of relativism. And people see you as a good person if you don't impose your truth on them. They see you as moral. They see you as caring. But if you try and push something that they don't agree with on them, they can't stand you and you're canceled, right? 
You're completely canceled. So God's word has been nullified before it's even able to be spoken. Before you can even get it out of your mouth, if they hear the word Christian or church or God or something like that, it's nullified. But here is what I want to get to. The problem with truth being nullified is that it's going to distort our reality like it did Eve and like crazy things are going to happen eventually. You see, people want you to keep keep the monkey off of my back because I don't want to change is what they want. And then they get into the my truth, your truth, his truth. But when we start to think about those truths, that just saying frustrates me so much. Like my truth, like what does that even mean? Like, what does that really mean? I'm going to give you guys a really crazy example, but crazy things are happening. Would you all agree with me right now that going up and punching someone in the face is wrong? Like just morally, not a good thing to do, right? That, that, that's probably, I would consider that an absolute truth. I may be crazy. Maybe someone in here likes that. I don't know. Most of the time, though, that is seen as morally just wrong. That's an absolute truth. But let's say a new study comes out that these scientists and the biggest leaders and developers in the world, Bill Gates is on it, whoever, it doesn't really matter. There's a new study that comes out, though, that says something along the lines of, well, we've been researching this a lot, you know, and we've looked into the psychological benefits um, of face punching. And, you know, it relieves stress, it causes creativity, even physically, the the rotation of the shoulder is burning calories, people are losing weight. And there's a crazy study done, and enough people get on board with the my truth And they're saying, well, I've been stressed out lately. I I could lose a few pounds. Let's try this thing out. Let's see what this truth is all about. And you go around punching some people in the face. (laughs) That seems absolutely asinine, right? It's crazy. But that is how far my truth can get. And we'll get real for a second. Like, I thought about this. When I was growing up as a kid, I never thought I would literally get in trouble for calling a girl a girl or a guy a guy. It's laughable, especially in a church circle it is right now, but if you say that anywhere else, you are canceled, you're a bigot, you're immoral, you're prejudiced. That thought was so crazy to me as a kid, but now it's a normalcy. You think it's funny about like punching people in the face, who knows what's gonna happen though? Honestly, because it's my truth, it's what I believe in. Don't get on me for what I'm doing. If it's working for you, cool, but don't try and push that on me is what people say. And so I want to get to the problem of relativism, though. You see, in and of itself, it's, it, it contradicts itself. And not only that, it's unbiblical. You see, what relativism is saying is there is no absolute truth that everyone should believe. Okay? So you're telling me to believe the statement that you said that we shouldn't believe everyone's statement. How does that really make sense? What they're saying is, like, I absolutely reject all absolute truth. Okay, how do, you, how do you absolutely say it's wrong if I can't have an absolute truth that doesn't, do you see what, what it is? It's natu- it naturally contradicts itself and it therefore shows us that there is an absolute truth available. It testifies to that fact. So that's the first point. Jesus said, the reason I was born, I came into this world is to testify to the truth. There is an absolute unchanging outside of my mind, outside of this world truth that I should be abiding by. 
So we know there's truth that everyone should seek and submit to and believe in. The second suggestion that he gets into, um, that Jesus came to testify the truth. So Jesus is the key witness to this truth. I'll read it again. For this I was born, for this I've come into the world to bear witness to the truth. So how can we actually hear the testimony of Jesus? How can we hear it? Because what happened to Jesus? He did, he was physically here. He physically died. Yes, he was resurrected. But we're getting, we're concentrating on the birth of Jesus here. You see, Jesus is gone and it's not enough to just say that the Holy Spirit is here with us. Yes, Jesus, I mean, said, hey, it's actually better that I leave you because the Holy Spirit's going to be able to help you out a lot more. He did say that. But what this is saying is how, how was he a witness to the truth while he was here on earth? If we want to hear how he was a witness, we have to go back and look at how he was an actual witness. So how do we do that? I want to give you guys the most simple solution to this problem. And it's this. Get a copy of the four Gospels. Does everybody know what the Gospels are? The first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Sit down in a quiet place, get alone for an extended period of time. I don't think you're going to be able to read it in a day. Get alone and allow that truth, allow those testimonies of those four witnesses. That's what they are. There are four different accounts of Jesus's life here on earth and why he was born and what he did. Sit through and listen to the testimony of Jesus as it comes through. And you have to ask God, I don't know where anybody is on their own spiritual journey here. They're, everyone is from a different walk of life. Maybe you don't even believe in God. Maybe you just became a Christian. Maybe you've been walking with Jesus for 10, 15 years. Your whole life you were brought up in church. I don't really know. Ask the questions where you're at though. If you don't even believe in God, sit there and read that thing and ask God, are you real or not? If you've been saved for a little bit and you're struggling and you believe a lot of the Bible, but there's a couple of things like, oh, I don't know, we should love everybody. Like, I agree with everything in the Bible, but homosexuality, uh, I don't see how, you, how we're supposed to hate people who just love is love type of thing. And you're struggling with that, but you're a Christian, you're a believer, whatever it is, ask God to speak to you. Whatever your current situation is, only you know that with you and God. But if you can please, I really felt like God pressed this on me. Do not do anything else until you read the first four Gospels. The first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read that through. Allow Jesus to speak to you. You see, I believe that God has made us dependent on the Bible for the testimony of Jesus today because the Bible has the power to convince people that Jesus' word is true. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. There is a simplicity to what I'm telling you to do right now. And as I was praying, and as we were even praying back here, I said, God, how does this work? How does just telling people to read the Bible work? How does just saying a few scriptures do anything at all. And I was discrediting the power of God's word. And that's a dangerous place to be because it's not a good sermon. It's not you hearing a, tweet, a, a, a quote that you can tweet that sounds hot. It's not anything like that. It is the power of God's word. That's why he says it's sharper than any double-edged sword. Cuts through the bone and marrow. It says it separates the soul from the spirit. 
That's what God's word does. It's simple. But a lot of the times in life, we are going through so much chaos, so much turmoil, there's so much fake news. I don't know what to believe anymore. I know in the bottom of my heart that God's word is truth, but there's so much other stuff that looks more appealing. I don't know if I can take it as truth anymore. And God, and we, the problems seem too complex for, let's say for what it is, just some words to fix. We don't give God's word the power and the credit that it deserves. That is the solution, is that, to anything you're going through, to any unbelief you may have. It's his word. But we're so busy with other things. We do our morning, test, or our morning devotional just to do it, to say we did it. And we're not spending time talking to God, asking to real, reveal things to us. Like, we have to get in there and want it. This is simple, but God wanted it to be simple. He's not a complex God when it comes to relationship with us. He's not trying to make it difficult is what I'm saying. I don't want to like discredit the complexity of God. I get, we, you know, we don't understand him and we never will, but there's a simplicity and relationship with us and him that we have to get back to. What you're going through is not more difficult than anything that God's words can't handle. That's the truth he wants us to get back to. And how do you credit a witness? So how do we give Jesus credit? It's by listening. Think about any trial, listening long and hard. What do the jurors do when someone's up there and they're trying to establish credibility? Like, is this person conning me or are they telling the truth? When they're, when they're issuing the verdict, they listen long and hard. They deliberate sometimes for days, weeks, months on a verdict for somebody. So do that with God. He's not going to get mad at you. Say, God, I don't believe this. Show me. Sometimes you got to get to that place where you are so real with God that you say, I don't believe, I don't know. I'm not sure, but show me and put the time and effort in and let him establish himself and the writers of these gospels as credible witnesses. There was a guy, his name was Dr. E.V. Rue, and I don't know if that's how you say his name, but this guy was a, uh, he was a scholar who translated a lot of stuff, a lot of Greek mythology and things like that into English. So he was an expert in that. He did like Homer and the Odyssey and things like that. And there was a place called Penguin Books who took on a project to translate the entire Bible from Greek to English. And so they wanted this guy, this doctor, to be the editor of that project. And unfortunately, the project got canceled but what they did say was, you know what? We still just want to do the first four books of the New Testament. We, we want to just translate the Gospels only from Greek to English. And this man was agnostic his entire life. So didn't have any relationship with God, wasn't reading the Bible, didn't really care. Agnostic his whole entire life. And it's funny, his uh, son, when his son found out he was taking on this project, he was quoted as saying, it will be very interesting what father makes of the gospels, but it'll be more interesting to see what the gospels make of father. And after an intense time of, because if you guys have never read about that, as far as translating scripture goes, it is the most intensive project you can ever undergo. And there's a lot of gravity and weight to the situation, but I think it's funny that this guy was an agnostic and he was doing it. And when he was finished, he was quoted as saying this, I got the deepest feeling I could possibly have expected. It changed me. My work changed me. 
I came to the conclusion that these words bear the seal. So these words, the words of the gospel, these words bear the seal of the Son of Man and the Son of God. They are the Magna Carta of the human spirit. Not a believer until he only translated the four gospels. If you don't know what the Magna Carta is, it was established something like 800 years ago, like 12 or 1300. And the purpose of it, though, was to bring freedom. Because people who owned land, the government would rule over them and they could take their land. They could literally, the government could do anything they wanted. There was no freedom. The church wasn't free to do what they wanted. But when the Magna Carta was established, churches were free, people were free to own property, and the government, by law, could not oppress people anymore. The point of that is freedom. And so it's so great that this guy says that the gospels are the key to freedom in your spirit. They are the Magna Carta to the human spirit. In other words, if you go to the gospels as they stand, as they are, and listen earnestly and carefully and openly with a willingness to see the truth, you're not gonna be disappointed. And this man here, who (laughs) Jesus was the furthest thing from his mind, is a testimony to that. Jesus was born for the sole reason of bearing witness to the truth. So that's the second suggestion. And the last thing, and the worship team can come up, the closing advice I have is to not be like Pilate when you hear the truth. So Pilate's response to Jesus in verse 38 was, maybe cynical, maybe he just didn't understand, maybe he was hopeless, like I don't know where his head exactly was at, but he said, what is truth? You say you come to testify the truth, what is it? And I think if Pilate was listening to what we said earlier about relativism, he probably would have been more along the lines of, yeah, I don't really know, like I might side with relativism, but I don't really agree with you, I'm not sure, I'm kind of just in the middle, not really positive. And maybe that's where some of you are today. Maybe you're just non-committal about Jesus. And I don't mean like you hate him. This could be for someone who's saved or unsaved. Doesn't really matter if you have a relationship with Jesus or not. Are you fully committed? Because a lot of people are saved, but the commitment is 40, 50, 60, 70, 80%. I line up for the most part, but there's some things I just can't get on board with. And what we're doing is we live with a suspended judgment on that matter of truth, a decision that we're delaying on what is truth, what is not. It's not really that important to us. Some of you, like I said, may believe the Bible for the most part, but there's a couple of things that you're struggling with. But I wanna ask you a question to see if you're really being honest with yourself. Do you suspend judgment and plead ignorance sometimes to issues in your life that really matter to you, to where your personal um, self-esteem, your personal worth, your families, your, your life is on the line? Do you suspend judgment in those areas of your life? Or do you make decisions for the betterment of yourself? Like I said before, every single person in here would probably say if they got punched in the face, like that was wrong for no reason. You see, you immediately believe that person's guilty, but if a judge comes up and says, well, I mean, the guy 
psychologically he's doing better and he lost three pounds after the punch because of the physical, you know, betterment of the punch. I don't know, <laughs> but I mean, it was good for him. It's relative. Like it was actually good for him. So he's not guilty because his truth says that it was good for him. You would say you're a bad judge. <laughs> like you're, you're an awful judge. There's no, where's absolute truth in that? And so the key tonight is for you on your own to search out absolute truth. I want you to, I want you to realize that your life is at stake and not just yours, but the people God has you coming into contact with in the future's lives are at stake. There's gravity to this to you saying that there is absolute truth in the word of God and only the word of God. It's found nowhere else. It's not influenced by the world. It's not influenced by experience. It's not influenced by anything. We do that so much where we, our experience influences the truth, right? So God says, you know, in his word that I'm gonna give you life, I'm gonna give it to you abundantly, right? That's in John somewhere. Right? I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you life, I'm gonna give it to you abundantly. Okay, cool, God. I'm glad you said that. I'm broke and I can't pay my bills. Not too abundant to me. You know, let's say you get punched in the face, God tells you to turn your other cheek. You're like, that one actually hurt. I'm not doing that. <laughs> but our experience determines truth sometimes, and our butt is hindering us from the sanctification process that God is trying to take us through. This world we live in is a fallen world. That's the reason bad things happen. But through the truth of God's word and that sanctification process, things are redeemed. If our butt gets in the way of truth, the sanctification process is delayed. We are delaying it because of our butt. We're not holding on to absolute truth. And it doesn't, I want you guys to get this. It doesn't only depend on you. Other people are depending on you or this isn't just for you. Other people are also depending on you. Like you need to be so filled up with the truth and it literally be who you are in your identity that other people see something attractive and be like, that's different. They may not agree with it, but it'll be different. And I promise you it's attractive because you're not swayed by emotion. You're not swayed by experience. You're not swayed by what other people say. You're not swayed at the hot thing at the time. Your foundation is firm and you're standing on the word of God and that's all you have. So that's what we'll finish with, was the point that Jesus was born for a lot of reasons, but mainly to bear witness to the truth. He is the truth. He really is. His word is the truth. I want you to realize the gravity of that statement and ask God to reveal it to you. If you're not taking it seriously, ask him, to help you take it more seriously and for you to be an expression of what truth is to other people so they can see that. I want you to get alone, not on your phone, not in your bed as soon as you wake up when you're tired. I want you to set a date with God. Let's do that. Anybody here have a Valentine's Day? Celebrate it with anybody? Wow, geez, everyone in here is single. We all go mingle and do whatever afterwards to find your next Valentine. How important is it though? Everyone still recognizes when you set a date with somebody, 
especially guys with girls. You, you pick out the place. Sometimes maybe even it's a surprise. Maybe, um, you know, you have dinner and then you have whatever. People do picnics, they do a drive-in, whatever it is. When you set a date to do something and you set a time and you are intentional about it, it means a little bit more to your significant other. It's not just a, this is what we do every day. I took time, I, I was intentional about planning this and doing this and doing this after. The intentionality behind it shows that you value it. And so I want everyone to set a date with God when you wake up in the morning. If you have to wake up at whatever time, wake up an hour earlier. Start reading the Gospels. Read them before you go to bed, wherever. Set dates with God, though, to where you say, you know what? You and I are going to spend time together. I don't care what happens, like, outside of the world, if I have an obligation or something like that. Like, you're my obligation for this time. Set it with him and ask him to speak to you. Ask him to reveal truth. Do that for two weeks straight. Your life will be changed. He so honors the intentionality behind us wanting to know him more. He so honors it. Is he going to speak to you if you don't do that? Yeah, I'm sure he will. But he still honors that time. And so I want everyone here for two weeks to make a commitment to spend time with God, especially reading the four gospels and allowing that truth to become who you are, not just something you read. Let it become your identity and what you stand on for not just now, but for the rest of your life. And the last thing I wanna release really is just freedom. And I talked about this earlier. I want to release right now in Jesus' name, freedom from any bondage, any oppression, anything that you have been going through. Because God's word says the only thing that is going to set you free is the truth. The truth will set you free. So if you've been dealing with anything, maybe your whole entire life, maybe it's just recently, whatever it is, I want to break it tonight in Jesus' name. And I want, as you go through this process of spending time with the Lord and regaining that intimacy with him, for him to speak truth to you and for you to really experience freedom, not just say that I might be free, I might not, but for you to, without a shadow of a doubt, know that the truth set you free. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to check out the Crossing Church Message Podcast with Pastor Greg Dumas. Once again, thank you so much for listening.